Hey everyone, I'm Sam Shaheen, and you're listening to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. Some of Picture Organic Clothing's sustainability practices are familiar. Recycled nylon and polyester, responsibly sourced wool, organic cotton, PFC-free DWRs, the list goes on. But Picture is going way beyond these more common practices with things like castor bean oil waterproof membranes, sugarcane waste-derived polyester, and they're attempting to eliminate polybags from their entire supply chain. So I sat down with Picture's co-founder, Julian Durant, and their sustainability manager, Florian Paluel, to talk about these ambitious projects. And of course, because this is Gear 30, we also go in-depth on the new air-permeable membrane they are pitting head-to-head with Gore Pro and Futurelight, called Xpore. Let's check it out. Today we are in Whitefish, Montana to check out some new technologies from Picture Organic Clothing. And I'm here with Julian and Flo from Picture. Will you guys just quickly introduce yourselves, explain your role at Picture and um, how you ended up where where you are? And maybe Julian, go first. So I'm Julian. Uh, I'm one of the picture co-founder. I've started picture with my two best friends 12 years ago now, with a vision of starting a brand uh, fully sustainable involved. And um, when uh, when we grew up with my two best friends, uh, snowboarding, skateboarding together, we really comes from the board sports culture, and uh, and we've always dreamed about starting something really different. And, uh, and when I called Jeremy uh, one night, I was working in Paris for Schweppes before I was working for Coca-Cola. So I was on the soft drink uh, industry. I was making good money, but uh, life was not as good as expected because I didn't leave any passion and my job didn't have sense. So I called him and said, hey, why don't we start that brand we, we thought about for many years? And Jeremy jumped on uh, on that. Uh, he was architect at that time because his father is architect, his brother is architect, and he was building eco-friendly and sustainable houses. And he said, uh, ah, yeah, let's start that brand. Uh, but one thing is very important. If we do it, we have to do it fully sustainable. It has to be all made with recycled polyester, organic cotton. So that, that was the vision since the beginning. And when we wrote the brain mission uh, with Vincent and Jeremy, we wrote two sentences. So our mission is to develop the next generation products which will help fight climate change. And we want to inspire an eco-friendly lifestyle through our passion for board sports. And that's really the baseline. Every time we are thinking about something, we always come back to the mission we wrote in 2008 to check if it really fits in that vision we had since the beginning. And now we are 12 years after in Whitefish with you. (laughs) And uh, we will talk about many other topics. So um, Vincent and Jeremy, those are the other founders of Picture, right? Yes. Yeah. And so what's what's your current role at Picture, Julian? So my current role, I'm in charge of uh, marketing and sales. And uh, Jeremy, uh, who was architect, is in charge of all design, is the hard director of the brand. And uh, Vincent, who study IT and finance, is doing IT and finance for us. <laughs> so yeah, we have uh, like very different role. But we are very complementary, and uh, I think this is why also it fits very well, and we never have any trouble together for the last 12 years, which yeah. was a big challenge at the beginning, because when you start a company with friends, many times it can collapse. Oh, I've done that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very challenging, so that's, that's good to hear. Cool. Um, Flo, do you want to talk a little bit about your background and your role at Picture? 
Yeah, sure. I've been working for Picture for more than seven years now, so it's been it's been a long journey. Actually, I didn't have any background first in sustainability, but uh, as it was one of the very first picture commitment, uh, I've been working on this uh, for the very first days uh, of my adventure at Picture. And at the beginning, I was also uh, in charge of marketing uh, topics such as the social media, the POP in stores, and, uh, and etc. But we've been working a lot with a consulting agency and they helped me uh, to, uh, yeah, to be better at working those sustainability topics. So through that in 2000, I would say 10 and 11, our commitment was uh, rather focused on products, uh, working on organic cotton or with recycled polyester, making sure that we know the whole supply chain, not only the people we are doing business with. Um, so yeah, the brand uh, grew up like this, and uh, I grew up also with that brand. And uh, as long as the brand was hiring new people, I was like losing some of my marketing missions, and I was like totally okay with that. And now, after uh, seven years, more than seven years, um, I'm fully in charge of sustainability. So my um, my work is much more wider than before. And I'm able to to work about materials, about packaging, about I mean the global company commitment, also a lot with our human resources. To um, yeah, to have our employees, the very first ambassadors of the brand, and uh, so I've been involved a lot about that uh, recent B Corp certification as well. So yeah, at the moment I I definitely love my job and uh, it's really spreading in everything the company is doing. So that's a good segue into what I want to talk about first, which are some of Picture's sustainability initiatives. You know, I think that's one of the sort of underlying, like the foundational aspect of your brand is this idea of sustainability. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about some of those, some of those initiatives and, you know, why those initiatives are important to you guys? So let, let's start about the beginning of the brand and then we will add some initiative mm-hmm. one by yeah. one. Yeah. When, when we started, we started by uh, thinking only about products. Our focus was to make products made of organic cotton or recycled polyester or other natural components uh, with a bit with a traceability and a transparency for the consumer. So that, that was the initial, uh, the initial initial part of our job. Uh, at that time, uh, producing products made of uh, recycled material or organic cotton, was much more expensive than producing products uh, in a simple way with conventional polyester or conventional cotton. And uh, when we when we were traveling, we did uh, lots of questionnaire. We did a survey on the consumer needs, and we asked the consumer, "Would you be able for clothing to pay more for a recycled product or for an organic cotton product?" And 99 to 100% of the answer was no. What year was this? Uh, it was in 2008. 2008, okay. So now, now the way of mind of people has changed. But uh, 12 years ago, it was, uh, it was those answers. And, uh, and based on that constat, we've decided to sell our organic and recycled product at the same price of non-organic and non-recycled product from the competition. And instead of spending money into marketing ads, into uh, athletes, uh, we've decided that the ad value and the marketing topic of the brand will be into the product. And uh, our role is to spread the vision behind the brand into stores through many clinics with the kids on the floor, through PRs, 
through storytelling with magazines. And, uh, and day by day, the brand awareness has been growing and we've been uh, evolving with the brand into, uh, into a more sustainable consumption. And the, the end consumer has been uh, aware that it was interesting and they had an impact buying some recycled and eco-friendly products on the climate change issue we have now in our world. And uh, so how they have an impact, it's just because you have the power with your wallet to change the world because you decide when you buy something if that brand or that products will continue to live or will die. If you don't buy it, one day it will die. If you buy it, it will continue to move forward. And um, that conscious, the end consumer is having now push us to go uh, forward and to innovate a lot. And uh, talking about innovations, this is what has started in 2011. So from just a product made of recycled and organic cotton, we've decided to think about uh, the end of life of the product. And uh, the end of life of the product starts on the recyclability of the products. So we've started working on making out our products fully recyclable. There is a big issue on the outdoor products. There is membrane. And when the membrane are laminated on the fabrics, you have two different compositions. Usually membrane are made of polyurethane or PTFE. And when it's laminate on nylon or polyester, it can't really unlaminate. So the complex can't be recycled. So the, the strategy, uh, the, the vision we had was to make a laminated product made of only one single material, which is polyester, which can be recyclable like a plastic bottle. So that, that was the first step. We, we've launched that product in 2013, and we got uh, lots of awards in, uh, in many international trade shows uh, with that product. And after that, we started working on how the brand can, be, um, can have a much bigger sustainable impact than the product itself. So we've been working with Florian, so Florian can, can probably talk about that, on uh, investment into association. We've started the picture for good. As you know, packaging, uh, even if you do a, a very clean product, it's delivered into a plastic bag. And those plastic bags, there is millions in the world which have single use, and a single use plastic bag should not exist anymore when you know the problem with plastics. Perhaps Florian, you can talk more about that. Yeah, yeah, sure. And um, I will talk maybe just after about the, the packaging issue. But uh, when I have started my uh, my 100% uh, sustainability job, I had that vision uh, to um, to improve our commitment to the company level instead of uh, keeping on working only on products. So yeah, going beyond products into that commitment was my one of one of my mission, and of course we are, we already started that that commitment before. So I've started working on, on on packaging, on energy, and thinking about that we are making products, we are traveling for the brand, we are shipping products all over the world. So everything has an impact. It's not just about having a products and making it. So. I was uh, talking with uh, with experts. I, I was studying a lot that that topic, and I realized that our business was directly connected and dependent on fossil fuels. So talking about coal, about oil, and, and natural gas, 
And um, the main problem of climate change uh, at the moment in the world is that burning fossil fuels uh, is responsible for 80% of the global CO2, CO2 emissions. Um, so burning fossil fuels to, to produce electricity or talking about the final use of those energy. So basically, when we realize that, that there is a, a main issue with those fossil fuels, we also realize that more or less, we are kind of dependent of those fossil fuels because with oil, you can make polyester or you can make plastic bottles and we are recycling those plastic bottles to make our jackets. With oil, you can make a plastic bag to protect your products. So plastic bag, also called the poly bag in the, in the industry. With oil or with coal, you can make electricity to power uh, our buildings, to power the machines that are making our products. Um, with oil, you can make some fuel to... Um, to, uh, to power a car, to power a plane, so we are able to, to travel and to develop the brand thanks to those oil-based energy. So basically, we are more or less uh, dependent on that, and that's a main issue, and this is the way we want to improve, to wipe out fossil fuels in every aspect of our business, to effectively fight climate change. So the main problem is with energy, so basically, when you look at the whole supply chain of uh, of a products, it's not just about uh, working on recycled or organic materials at the very beginning. Then the supply chain is quite large, so you have to uh, you have to make the yarn, you have to to do the weaving or the knitting. Then you have to dye the fabrics, you have to laminate the membrane on the fabrics. There is the manufacturing of the finished product. So pretty much every step of those supply chain are you need energy for every, every of those steps. And if that energy is coming from coal, which is pretty much the same for every brand's uh, sourcing in Asia or sourcing in Turkey, if that energy is coming from coal, this is a problem. And we are more or less part of that problem, meaning that we really want to improve that. So we are working on a budget to um, help our suppliers, the people we are doing business with, but also the people we don't really know, but we are tracking the whole supply chain. So we have a budget to uh, develop, um, to help them producing their own uh, renewable energies from solar panels to be even better in our global supply chain. So having recycled products and organic cotton products at the very beginning, but then work working on our renewable energy along the whole supply chain. Um, so that's one of the main uh, topic about uh, about CO2 emissions. And then uh, back to that packaging um, issue because oil uh, allows us to make to make polybag. So we've been working with polybags for for a long time, but I mean the whole industry is doing like this um, because we need to protect the products, leaving our factories and taking the um, taking the boat for uh, for a long uh, two months. So protecting them against humidity, against against dust, against impact, against um, allowing the products to pass customs. So there is a lot of issue about that. Uh, we've read a, a Patagonia study in 2015 saying that they will keep on working with polybags, maybe folding the products better to to lower the need of of, of plastic, but still um, they want to keep on on using it because. The, the, the protection aspect of the products is the most important. You want your products reaching the stores in a good shape. So in 2009, uh, 2015, it was like that. 
And then uh, we are all aware about that major plastic pollution in the ocean, in the rivers, everywhere. And, uh, and we've been able to talk with, with two American brands, I mean, one American and one Canadian, so, so Pronar and Tentry. And I'd like to, to thank them very much about that because they helped us a lot to, um, to find another solution <clears throat> of packaging our products. So we are happy to, to say that we are going to start uh, using the roll pack method, allowing us to wipe out the use of poly bags for 50% uh, for of our global uh, collection. So just about having the, the products fold, uh, a little rope to, uh, to make it in a good shape, and then in a cartoon or in a cardboard, you can imagine having, for example, 40 t-shirts and only one big poly bags protecting all of them. So it looks easy, but it doesn't. It's full of little logistics and little things to anticipate, to think about before uh, sending your products uh, into that uh, complicated supply chain and, uh, and logistic um, network. Um, but we are we are on a good path, and uh, and it's it's crazy, and it's um, it's it's good to see that brands are helping each other when it concerns um, environmental issue, and that it's, we are not competitors anymore. We are all going into the same direction, and uh, and that's exactly the same thing about that energy issue. If we are able to 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 do that energy transition with the suppliers we work with, it will benefit the whole industry because. In the suppliers we work with to uh, to manufacture our finished products, a lot of different outdoor brands are also working with that company. So if that company is doing that energy energy transition, it will benefit the world industry. It's not just about picture. Yeah, it's about uh, it's about all going into the same direction. And if we can all using recycled organic products, um, a, a, a plastic free packaging, a, a, a green energy to make them, I mean. Uh, the world would be better. And also, just to add one thing uh, about Florian's topic, it's about uh, the retailers themselves, because even if the brand wants to bring some changes in the industry, the retailer have a big role, because they have also to change their habits. And uh, in 2015, as Florian said, uh, when we wrote the Patagonia survey about packaging issues, uh, there was no retailer involved in it, and there was many, many issues in the chain value. And uh, in 2018, 19, REI, so the big American uh, company. We, we know REI. You know REI. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they challenged the old brands to deliver with, uh, without polybag. And uh, for us, it was a big issue because we didn't know how to do it. And they, they did the introduction between uh, Prana, Tentry, and, uh, and us. And they told us those two brands are working very well that direction. Perhaps you could co-op all together on a common way to package your product. We are ready to help also to adapt some, uh, some way of working in our warehouse to make sure it can happen. Because for them, uh, they were the end they were at the end of the chain value, which means that if all the brands are delivered with plastic, they are receiving all the plastic at the end and they add themselves to recycle it or to trash it. Trashing is uh, much cheaper 
So trashing the plastic would be the easiest way. But if you have a certain conscious, you think about delivering. So II decided to recycle all those plastic and they reinvoice that cost to the brands because this is because of the brands that this happens. And uh, they say to brands, so they put pressure on brands. If you don't want to pay those additional costs, uh, I recommend you to change your habits. <laughs> and and that's that's really how it started to it started to happen in the in the wall industry. And uh, so thanks to AI, most of the big brands are bringing some changes and are thinking about that. And uh, which means that it's not just AI, but you have to deal with uh, warehouse, uh, the US warehouse. You have to deal with your Hong Kong warehouse to bring some changes. And you have to deal with your factories because the products are going from warehouses to warehouses to be splitted all over the world and spreaded. And this is, this is the biggest challenge because even if AIA is ready, perhaps your US warehouse is not ready, so you have to change the habits. And, uh, and usually the biggest issue of warehousing is uh, dust and, uh, humidity. and humidity. So that's really interesting. So REI is kind of pushing this, this like eliminating the poly bag idea, but they're pushing it not out of the goodness of their hearts, but because it costs so much to recycle the just vast amount of poly bags they get. I would not, I would not say that. Uh, they reinvoice because they don't have to support that cost. But at least we all know that REI is the most committed company uh, all over USA into sustainability. For example, when we had discussion at the last outdoor retailer with some of their buyers, they aim to have only B Corp uh, certified company oh, sold cool. at REI. This yeah. is one of their goals, for example. So. And they have lots of sustainable statements uh, they ask brand to follow. When we started with them, we had to fill a form and uh, to uh, justify everything we were answering. And uh, they would never have opened their doors to picture if we would not have been a fully sustainable uh, and a fully involved company into sustainability. So on the topic of sustainability, you guys have obviously done a lot of work throughout the, the, life, the, the lifespan of picture from, you know, starting with organic recycled materials to doing all these other kind of initiatives we're going to talk about here in these next few topics. But in terms of kind of big picture sustainability for the brand, where do you see, you know, the big sustainability challenges and the big goals you guys have in the next like five or 10 years? Like what are, what, what are those big sustainability problems that you think that you can solve? Having the lowest impact possible will be our main challenge in the next few years because we are growing. So we will keep on having more products, more volume, more retailers all over the world, uh, less packaging, <laughs> but still uh, the brand is growing. So can we just imagine having that growth and also having that uh, climate change issue at the same time? I'm not sure. So that's why we, um, we are now working on a global carbon analyzed footprint of the company to track and measure everything we do in terms of CO2 impact. And once you know that, you can better work on energy efficiency and, and finally on, uh, on uh, reducing your impact and offsetting the latest emissions that, uh, that, are, uh, that remained. And yeah, doing that energy transition will be 
the very most important thing. But I mean, it's not just about the textile industry and even more the, the outdoor industry. It's really about every single company in the world who has to do that uh, fossil fuels um, step back, definitely. And I've recently heard about maybe new um, new way of making products. I mean, it, it's still at the chemical uh, stage. It's not industrial, but could be a way to do it in the future. And um, like in the US, you, you've got that uh, brands, Interface, making some uh, carpets. And they are using uh, a, a technology allowing them to, uh, to make carpet with a, a minimum impact on the environment and even better, uh, capture carbon in the making, in the manufacturing process of those carpets. So we could imagine having the same for a jacket, being able to have a supply chain and have a manufacturing process capturing more CO2 than leaving the CO2 into the atmosphere. So that could be a, that could be a, um, a solution uh, for the future, maybe for the next 10, 15 years. But first, uh, we are really going to focus on that carbon analyzed footprint of the whole company and uh, doing that energy transition as much as we can. And, uh, and yeah, bringing all of our partners, uh, employees, uh, friends, uh, shareholders into that, uh, into that mission. And uh, and consumers as well. They have a, they have a huge role in a huge role in all that. So yeah, I think that uh, that's one of our biggest uh, missions coming. So so this technology you're talking about is this what we were talking about earlier? Where we were we were saying you're saying you could capture the carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and actually use the carbon in the CO2 to make the plastics and the polyesters and the the, the various components of. Of these of these garments yeah this thing um, I mean it's still the very beginning and we are talking of a thing that personally uh, will not happen maybe in the next five or ten years for the making of a jacket but uh, that could be that could be a solution and uh, an interface that uh, that corporate brand in the US is always seen as one of the most sustainable brand in the world because they they are they reached carbon neutrality it's still it's not just about removing CO2 from the atmosphere. It's also about having a more sober uh, attitude in everything we do. And um, the thing is, renewable energies will never able to uh, reach the level we have reached with the fossil fuels in terms of energy. Uh, intrinsically, the energy coming from fossil fuels are better. It's easy to, to transform. It's easy to power. So solar, wind, and, and hydroelectricity will never reach the level we've got in terms of, of productivity. So meaning that we all have to be more sober in everything we do. I, I just think the idea of actually having a physical jacket made out of CO2 emissions, that just sounds so cool. Like if for nothing else than for the story to tell behind it, right? Like this jacket is like literally is negative climate change, like negative CO2 emissions like that. That's, that's a cool story. So I'm pulling for you guys and I'm going to be watching for that. Cause that's, that's something I'm, I'm personally excited for. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but before that, we, we still have a lot to improve. So working with uh, bio polyester from sugarcane is one of our next mission. And I mean, it, it has already started being able to recycle to entirely recycle a polyester jacket to make a new polyester yarn and make a new products 
it's not going to happen in 10 years, like probably that CO2 thing, but it's going to happen maybe in the next three or four years. So that are um, the, the, the short-term improvement we, we can do about products. Baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. So the, the next thing I want to talk about, you mentioned the sugarcane poly. Um, we'll get to that. And I want to talk about this new membrane that you guys have that you're using Explore as well. But first, let's talk about a membrane that's in your current line made and derived from castor bean oil. Um, this is a really kind of unique and interesting story. Um, maybe can you talk a little bit about the history of castor bean derived plastics and um, why you guys have chosen castor beans for membranes of picture? So castor bean uh, has a long history because uh, in 1950, there was a patent from a French company called Arkema and uh, they were able from castor bean to produce a nylon uh, 1-1. So nylon 11 uh, was very strong nylon and uh, it's been used for 25 years in the textile industry worldwide. And when uh, the oil extraction started to being uh, big, uh, the big American group uh, DuPont came with a polymer, uh, so nylon 6.6 and polyester, which was almost twice cheaper. So it has killed the biopolyester and the biopolymer for the profit of uh, oil-based polymer. And for the last 30 years, we've been using almost only uh, oil-based polymer. And um, now, based on the fact that oil price is going up and up and up, the biopolymer starts being competitive again. And uh, thanks to that, it's back in the loop. So when we brought it into our line uh, three years ago, the biggest challenge for us uh, to move away from fossil fuel and using biopolyester was to create a yarn from those uh, poly biopolyester chips. Because uh, when you buy the biopolymer, uh, the format of the, of the plastic is, is like pellets. And, uh, and to create a yarn, there is a full industrial process which is very complicated. You have to have a very thin uh, machine which extracts that yarn. And, uh, and it took almost one year to, uh, to Firestone, a big uh, yarn maker company in Taiwan, to uh, adapt its machine uh, to be able to create that yarn. And that when they have launched their first bio-based yarn, we've been the first company with Adidas to, uh, to use it into our outerwear line. And those, uh, those biopolymers are very interesting because uh, they are using waste of sugarcane from the food chain. And from those wastes, we extract the sugar with a, a very easy process. It's a process to make alcohol in an alambic. Uh, you extract the ethanol, and with the ethanol, you create the, the biopolyester. So th these, are, these are two separate technologies, though, right? The castor bean is creating nylon 1-1. Yes. And the sugarcane process is polyester, right? Exactly. Okay. But, but the both technology are using bio-based uh, resources. And um, so with the castor bean, uh, with the castor bean extraction, we are creating a membrane. And uh, with the sugarcane polymer, we are making the fabrics so that we can laminate sugarcane-based fabrics with a castor bean-based uh, membrane. And we have a fully bio-based product. 
And that's the product we've uh, introduced uh, this year at the last outdoor retailer. And we, we got some reward from the, from the show. Yeah, so that's, that, that's really cool. I mean, I, I think these, these two technologies are such, such interesting stories from like whether you're a, a consumer or someone in, in the industry just because they're, I mean, like literally taking things from the earth and creating stuff that prior, like we only got for fossil fuels. I think that's really cool. But one of the, one of the common things that we always get asked about is how much does it cost and does it perform the same way as, as other things? So specifically with the castor bean membrane, how does cost compare to like a traditional PU or TPU membrane? How does the performance compare? So if you talk about the membrane, uh, the membrane compared to a PU uh, classic membrane uh, will be twice much more expensive for the same performance. So from a company perspective, you can't really sell the products higher than the competition with the same performance, which answers the same needs. And uh, this is where the biggest challenge is, is how we can use a membrane which has the same performance and which is twice much more expensive. So we've decided with, with Picture to go away from that membrane uh, in our main range and to focus on uh, using uh, bio-based fabrics because the outer, the outer shell fabrics, so the sugarcane-based one made of, uh, which is polyester, is, uh, is 10% more expensive. But this is something we can industrially, we can save money by, by making volume. And, uh, and by the way, we can keep a stable price and uh, sell the most sustainable product at the same price of the competition, which is what we've done since the beginning. And in our range, by the way, we are using a classic PU membrane. So it's always a question of compromise. If you want to have a 100% uh, sustainable product at the same price of a non-sustainable product, it's not possible. So in our side, we are absorbing a part of the cost and we are making compromise to offer uh, an affordable price to the end consumer to have, at the price he's paying, the most sustainable product. So before we get on to the new export membrane, I think if we could, because this is really fascinating to me, just the process of how sugarcane becomes polyester fabric. Can you just like really kind of break it down step by step as how we go from sugarcane to a jacket? Yeah, sure. So um, in interesting to, to, to get more into that chemical details. So basically, you have to know that polyester from oil is made of two things. 30% uh, um, is called monoethylene of glycol and 70% an uh, terephthalic acid. So 30 plus 70, making the polyester. So by using sugar from sugarcane and refining the sugar, we are able to make alcohol. It's coming specifically from the waste parts of the sugar that wouldn't be yeah. going to food sources, correct? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sugarcane byproducts, unsuitable for human consumption. Yep, okay. So from that sugar refined, refined, we are able to get some alcohol. And then it's pretty much something we've been knowing for years, uh, making some alcohol and having something called ethanol. So pretty much the same like the ethanol you could use for your curls. And then there is another chemical uh, like transformation to get a bio monoethylene of glycol. 
which is chemically identical to monoethylene glycol. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So mixing with the terephthalic acid, we're able to get that biosourced polyester. And then the chemical composition is, is exactly the same. Only the sourcing is, uh, is different. And uh, once you get the yarn, you can, uh, you can make the fabric. And, uh, and then it's, uh, it's, the, it's, it's the supply chain that we, that we all know. So the polyester is monoethylene glycol. And correct me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, terephthalic acid? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, is it possible to get the terephthalic acid from a bio-based source? In a, in a short future, I would say yes because uh, chemistry uh, innovations are growing fast. And I mean, it's not huge chemistry, it's a, it's a kind of, of, of green chemistry. So I would say, yes, I even heard uh, about some companies uh, who succeeded in doing it, uh, not for textile, but for plastic bottles. So having a 100% biosourced plastic bottles. So yeah, and could be one of our next, uh, next challenge. Oh, that's really exciting. All right, let's talk about Xpor. So maybe if you guys just want to go sort of overview of the fab or of the membrane, rather the idea behind it and uh, why you guys chose to work with Xpor as opposed to, you know, developing your own fabric or membrane or something along those lines. So the membrane market is, uh, looks very complicated, but at least it's very simple because you have only two membrane category, hydrophilic and microporous. Everybody think because we have lots of draws showing like the hair can pass through the membrane and evaporate, that every membrane have some micro or nano holes, which allow the hair to come through and avoid water drop to pass into it. Uh, in a certain way, it's right. In another way, it's wrong. Because all the microporous membrane have those abilities, but all the hydrophilic membrane doesn't have. Hydrophilic membrane represent mostly 90% of the membrane sold in the market. So it's the majority of the membrane and it's almost all the products under $500 uh, which, uh, which are equipped with those membrane. Uh, the hydrophilic membrane, the way it breathes, it, it works like a sponge. So it will absorb the moisture and the humidity uh, your body uh, is producing. And uh, because the pressure and the temperature outside is uh, colder and drier than inside, the membrane will dry. And uh, it dries as fast as the membrane absorbs less than it dries from the outside. And when you sweat a lot, the weakness of that membrane is that it doesn't, uh, it doesn't dry as fast as you sweat and the membrane absorb. So this is a limit of those uh, technologies. And uh, 30 years ago, the first brand who have patented a microporous membrane, so membrane with pores, which have the two skills, the skills of absorbing the moisture in its, uh, like a sponge, and uh, giving a hair permeability to uh, create, with nanoholes, to uh, create a pass which will help your body to dry much faster. It was Gore-Tex. So Gore-Tex in the 90s has patented uh, PTFE technology and they've been alone in the market for more than 25 years. And uh, last year, the first competitors came uh, against uh, Gore-Tex ProShell. It was Futurelite. So North Face has launched Futurelite. It's a very high breathability uh, performing membrane 
And uh, but the weakness of that membrane will be the fact that the waterproofness is not as good as Gore-Tex Pro Shell. So for some use, Future Light will be very, very uh, good and will perform very well. And for some others where you need a big waterproofness, it will be weaker than Gore-Tex Pro Shell. So for the moment, I would say that the best compromise in the market between waterproofness and breathability is Gore-Tex Pro Shell. And uh, a few months ago, we met a huge group uh, called BenQ. So you have Samsung in Korea, you have Apple in USA, and you have BenQ in Taiwan. So BenQ is a $36 billion company, and uh, they are specialized in, uh, in two different uh, markets. They are specialized in the battery industry, making films for the travel of ions between positive and negative uh, areas to charge and discharge the, the battery. And they are involved in the chemical industry. They are making like fake skin for burned people. And so they are, their specialty is making films. And uh, they've decided to focus on the, the sports and outdoor industry in the next five years. And they have launched that new membrane called Xpor. So what's very interesting with that uh, membrane is that membrane is made of polyolefin. So polyolefin is a component which is um, which is one of the lowest CO2 emission when you produce it. Uh, then uh, that uh, product is not all the nano hole from the products are not made with a solvent or with chemicals. It's it's made mechanically. So you heat the membrane, you stretch it, and there is a patent on it. And stretching that, that uh, membrane is creating those nano holes. And in terms of performance, we reach the same performance as Gore-Tex Pro Shell. If you, uh, if you look at the ISO test made by AGS, uh, SGS, uh, you can see that in terms of waterproofness and breathability, those two membranes are equivalent. So for us, because uh, we we focus on always making more and more sustainable products, the Gore-Tex product, which is using uh, fluor and PTFE, didn't fit with what we wanted with picture. And we are finding something uh, we think which is cleaner in the manufacturing process to produce with the same level of performance. So for the last 12 years, we've never fight in those $500 and plus uh, products category because we didn't have the right products. We didn't want to sell something which didn't perform as well as the competition. And this year we are launching uh, our new Doman jacket, which means tomorrow in English. This is a French translation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, because we really think that this is a product for the future of picture and uh, and we will develop a full segment with a high-performing membrane. And just to conclude, uh, talking about that membrane, in terms of production, uh, that membrane is uh, two times uh, thinner than uh, Future Light of or Gore-Tex membrane, which means yeah, that you need twice less materials to create the same performance. So also, uh, it's like uh, produce less to do the same. And the reason why it is thinner is because of the like the mechanical, like the physical structure of the membrane, right? So we're 
the the pores themselves in the X-pore are physically smaller than that that we would see in the expanded polytetrafluoroethylene of Gore-Tex Pro or the the electrospun PU of Future Light, right? Yes, right. So they are almost two to three times thinner. Uh, so from microporous membrane, we are going to nanoporous membrane. So it's nano hole and not micro hole. And this is why we can have a thinner jacket because the nano hole brings the same performance as the micro hole. If you have a thinner membrane. Yes. Right, if you made the membranes the same thickness, the nano hole would not breathe as well. You're right. Yeah, fascinating. One of the things that we've been talking about the past few days is this use, the idea of the use of solvents. Can you kind of explain how the solvents are used for a membrane like Future Light that's electrospun and how those solvents are able to be eliminated for export? So the, electro, the electrospun technology, so Future Light is using it, but there is many other uh, brands and technologies which look the same. Uh, you need to transform the PU, which is solid uh, component, into a liquid component. So to make it liquid, you need solvent. So you put as much PU as solvent. Then when it's liquid, you spray it into a paper and uh, when it dries, it will become solid again and the solvent will evaporate. And when it evaporates, there is some solution into factories to uh, recycle the solvent. But uh, if it's not recycled, uh, it could it will affect the environment, it's very harmful, but uh, furthermore, it will affect workers who work on it because it's very cancerigen and it will affect the brace. So it's very important that uh, all the factories which produce those uh, electrospan membrane have some way to recycle the solvent and to create a closed cycle to avoid any uh, toxicity into the factory and into the atmosphere. So this is a weakness of the process, but some factories have solutions to recycle, some others don't. So now we just have to ask every brand which produce those kind of uh, membranes if they are really recycling or not. Some are doing it very well, some others don't. And uh, talking about solvent, uh, it's also uh, we talk also about solvent into the glue, which laminates membrane and fabrics. And, uh, and some membrane doesn't have the property to, uh, to, be, to have a durable lamination when you use solvent-free glue. And the beauty of uh, the export membrane is that with a solvent-free glue, it laminates and it's very durable. So that's also one of the strengths of that uh, membrane in terms of sustainability. Yeah, no, it's really, really interesting. We've been wearing the jacket for the past few days and I'm excited to test it more because um, as far as technologies go, I think this this export seems to strike a really unique balance between kind of the, like what I, I don't want to say delicate exactly for future light, but the electro spinning is, you know, like a kind of a, a delicate process versus sort of the, the brute force method of Gore-Tex, which is like as durable as possible and overkill for probably 99% of the people out there. So I'm excited for this membrane and I'm excited to test it out and see how it actually performs out in the field. But don't make me say what I didn't. I don't I don't want North Face to think that we are spitting on them and saying that Futurelight is uh, using solvent and, and spreading solvent everywhere and they are killing <laughs> workers. It's totally not the case. It's just 
a fact about the technology of electrospinning. Yeah. So they probably do it very well. I trust them. And uh, but anyway, for from a picture perspective, because for us solvent is a big issue, we want to avoid from our industrial process. That was a better solution for picture to use export that way. I I'm really excited, like I said, to keep testing um, this new export jacket, and I'm really excited to see where you guys go forward with your sustainability initiatives. I think those are some really cool industry leading things you guys have going. And thanks so much for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. And uh, thank you very much. You guys are about to get on a flight back to France, I think. So I don't envy you there. We're going to go to the spa. I don't know what we're going to do next year, but <laughs> we are going back to the Alps. So that's great as well. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Rub it in, rub it in, Flo. <laughs> All right, great. Well, yeah, thanks so much, guys. And uh, yeah, until next time. See you next time. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Gear 30. Thanks to Julian and Flo for the conversation. Thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. If you are enjoying these Gear 30 episodes, please spread the word to your gearhead friends. Be safe out there, and we'll talk to you again next week.